Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Reverse Sweep. Major 4 is in the books, and I am here with my lovely guests. First off, I know you guys have missed him. You comment every time, and he's back. Doug Sensor Martin. What up, Doug? Hey, what's going on, guys? How's everyone doing tonight? Or I guess today, or the morning, or the afternoon, whenever you guys are watching, but it's going to be back. Really Doug. good tournament. A lot of great moments. Doug's back. And then as per usual, Chris, Parasite, how we doing? Hello, hello. I'm great. Just uh, wrapping up here at Major 4. Obviously, we're not at our usual setups, but uh, we're still bringing you the content straight after, you know, the tournament. Yep. And then unfortunately, um, I know that he's going to have some <laughs> something to say about our bracket not really panning out the way that... Uh, <laughs> That we, we he would have liked it. To, we would have liked it to uh, last episode. Patrick, listen. Bryce. I tried to tell you guys, man. Listen, I tried. Tried my hardest. I was like, listen, guys. Trust me. I have the script. I, I I labeled the winner bracket final winner, the loser bracket final winner, and the grand final winner. And you all were against me. You all thought it was optic in all those situations. But um, yeah, it feels good, James. It feels good to be validated. As you know, three out of three now in our bracket predictions. I predicted the correct winner every event for the last three events um so yeah i mean if there are people out there that want to you know you doing doing a little bet action before the tournament you might want to just tune into the reverse sweep because i've got the script and I'm, I'm i'm giving it to everybody for free so something to consider well there we go and before we hop into the first topic and talk about grand finals optic lat i just wanted to take a quick second to thank all the audio listeners as well as everyone showed so much love on the last episode i think it was one of our highest viewed episodes um so you guys have been showing a ton of love to to us over here at the reverse sweep and so thank you guys for tuning in every week and uh yeah but yeah. james there's one thing that i noticed although i did love that the last episode performed really well there's one thing that i didn't notice only 47 percent of the people who are watching are subscribed so i'd love to see more people who are watching if you guys are watching whether it's on spotify or on youtube wherever the case may be if you guys hit the like button the follow button the subscribe button all of us here would appreciate it very leave well. a comment do it all yeah very well said very well said just hit the sub button it's easy it's quick half of you half of you aren't subbed um but enough of that let's get into grand finals lat took home major four and they broke the uh the the champs curse which like i didn't i didn't even like hear that that was a thing until like today to be honest like i don't I, champs curse is weird though because not many teams stay together the whole time like after like they'll break up after one event like these guys have stayed together a year after their champs win basically um and the champs curse really only started when champs shifted to being in the end of the year right so like black ops three and on so 2016 because before that the there was a there was champs and then events right after um so it's kind of a it's a unique situation because these is the only team who's really ever stuck it out the whole time. I think the only other team was Envy, right? In IW, they won in Black Ops Three. They stuck it out in IW. But That's other than that, team. all the yeah, all the other teams have basically broken up within a few months because there's such there's so much that happens after champs, like a long off season, the beginning of a new game. Uh, so yeah, shout out to those guys for for sticking it out and believing in their team, and then uh, and then coming hot and winning Major Four. Um, to be honest though, I never really like put any validation into that champs curse. I, whenever it was brought up, I was like, oh, no, I forgot that was even a thing because, um, at least with thieves, they didn't really have a direction to make changes that could improve them throughout the entire year. And we know while, um, break, you know, like when it comes down to making changes, most of the time teams are bringing in rookies 
I don't think anyone's going out of their way to pay insane buyouts for players. So they never really had options to make changes in the first place. Um, I don't think, um, I don't really think they, they really had an option to improve there. So they stuck it out. We knew what this team was capable of. Um, I felt really good about them going to the event. I didn't have them winning just because Optic looked a little bit better online. But, um, you know, congratulations to the LA Thieves. They played insane Call of Duty this weekend. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. And I think the Thieves definitely deserved it. And it's kind of heartbreaking for Optic and especially for Dan because I really care about seeing Dan perform well in the league. And he did do really well in the finals. However, Optic again fell short, which... To me, I think it could almost be a good thing because you have Major 5 coming up. You do have the World Championship coming up too. I would love to obviously win if I'm in their shoes, but at the same time, I know that my eye is on just being better and just getting better every single day and learning from my mistakes because the biggest event is the World Championship, and obviously that's the one that matters the most. So I would look at it in terms of just like trying to improve if I was Optic because these, like you said, if they play like this, they could win the world championship again and go back to back, which has never been done before, I believe. So that could be really interesting. Now, how? Yeah, far I mean, we... I think. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, go Chris. Ahead. Uh, I was going to say, um, I think they're in a really good spot. You know, going into the end of the year, I think they've cleaned up a lot of the things people, um, you know, gave them flack for. Ben Jane Nassim, our co-host on the flank, was always uh, very critical of their S and D and kind of throwing away advantages. But at this tournament, they were able to beat the best S and D team at one of their best game modes. They were also able to. Um, beat quite a other quite a few other teams in Search and Destroy. They just looked like a ridiculously dominant team, while still keeping all the improvements and uh, consistency that they had in Hardpoint and Control. So, um, Thieves looking like their vanguard selves. As for Optic, I think this isn't a bad thing for them. Obviously, losing and getting second isn't the ideal, but I think them losing both Grand Finals in basically similar fashion in two out of the two out of the four maps that they lost in the Grand Finals being identical to both teams, um, it pretty much gives them like a blueprint of where they need to go um, to, to kind of like beat these teams in the grand finals. Um, I don't think that they will, I don't think that, I think if they make it to a grand finals again, you'll probably see another team like Thieves or maybe even FaZe or Ultra make it to the grand finals. I think we have our pretty much solidified like contender teams. And uh, I think they really need to not, auto veto embassy i think that's where this is killing them i think they've lost they haven't looked that good you know in hydro hardpoint against some of the better teams and they really need to improve at either expo or silo obviously expo being one of the newer maps um because their control and their control is pretty much lackluster uh compared to you know the teams like toronto who were considered the the best control team at the time and now Thieves who were able to be optic in two controls in the grand finals. So now, like on the front of like, I feel like we got two incredible series uh, with with optic and thieves um, with the winners final and the grand final. How far behind do you think like the third place team is? Like obviously those are our two best teams in the game right now, and I, I did feel like they were pretty neck and neck with thieves mm -hmm. um, coming out on top. Is it still pretty close, or, or or are those two teams kind of on on their own little pedestal right now? I think it's super close. Um, I still think our top four is really close. Like on any given day, I think you know, Thieves, Optic, Atlanta, and uh, and Toronto. You know, if those if the, if if everyone is playing their best 
on any given day, I, I, I think that's a that's a coin flip if, if all those teams are playing their best. Um, from, you know, after that, I think is where it really separates from the competition, you know, going down to Surge and, and, and New York. Um, I think that's where the gap is between the top four and down. Um, to me, at least, you know, the, the last month, last month and a half, I just think Thieves and Optic have been playing better Call of Duty, um, especially Thieves. I mean, they've they've looked... They're, they're so disciplined. They're more disciplined than every other team. They don't have to rely on kills to win series. Like, Optic, don't get me wrong, had a phenomenal online stage in Major 4, but it's like we were getting performances from Huke that were just not, you know, not the average of what we've been seeing from him. Uh, and same thing with, you know, when we've seen it from Dashi in the past. It's kind of the same boat. So, um, but I do think, you know, those four teams are, are really even neck and neck right now. And on any given day, um, you know, any one of those teams could be the winner. And I, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I basically agree with everything you guys are saying, and it's kind of disheartening to see how optic continuously plays the sealer control. And I was thinking when they were going into the map as well, that map six, I was like, they just lost this the last major about five, six weeks ago. They're probably going to end up losing this again. And it ended up coming down to that last round. If maybe Shuk was a pinch a little bit earlier, they could have forced a game seven fortress S and D, but um, yeah, I don't understand why if they lost the Hydra Hardpoint in the first series, they wanted to continue to play it in the second one. That, to me, I just think that that's a mistake with the vetoes, if I'm being honest. I think they should have just played Embassy, and maybe it would have been a different series. But again, like what Pat said, this really is neck and neck. I think, I think honestly, FaZe is somewhat slipping down a little bit from what we've seen from them throughout the year. Obviously, they're still very consistent, getting top three at every event, but it just seems like they're they're losing that extra umph in S&D. Their Hardpoint is still a little bit 50-50, but it does seem like Optic Thieves... Um, are, are improving and, and still doing extremely well too. So going into Major 5 and Champs, I expect to see similar results. For now, sure. I will start with you on this one, Doug. Um, we'll, we'll kind of transition into, I guess, a broader topic about just Optic in general. Like, where do you guys see them going from this stage on? Obviously, back-to-back uh, -back finals um, is a, a, a win in, in some senses. And I have this kind of later in the episode, but I do kind of want to bring it up now as well. There's this whole level of like mental blocks in COD that have always kind of been talked about. You might get a mental block against a team or um, we've had FaZe go, go an entire season where they're making grand finals left and right and they can't seem to just finish it out. Where does that kind of like fall in and, and how does the optic team kind of avoid something like that happening where they, whether it's a mental block in, and people are starting to say they can't finish tournaments or it's a mental block against LA thieves or whatever the case is. Well, I think it's just simply put as just doing vetoes. I think LA thieves are extremely deep, especially when it comes to S and D and control. So you have to be on point with those hard points. And if you're going to lose map one hard point to thieves, that's all it's going to take for them to separate from them from you. So I think for optic, just, Fix up your map pool a little bit. Continue to play how you're playing. I mean, Thieves came out on fire on point today. If they're going to come out like that, it's going to be really hard to beat. So I think Optic is still getting better. They're still trying to realize their ceiling. Um, Hugh has to continue playing the way that he is. I think everyone on the team has to continue to step up. Dan did step up from this final compared to the first one. So you love to see that from the rookie. So you're really just relying on the veterans and the superstars to come out and do their job. So I think they're just in the contention that you got to continue to just iron out their game and they'll have a great chance of winning major five and a great chance of winning champs too. I wouldn't really put um, any Warren into like having a mental block, whether it come from winning or like, let's say playing a certain team. Cause some people will say that phase has a mental block versus optic. I just simply think that optic is a better team than phase right now. I simply think that optic need to improve on their map pool. 
like I said in the earlier, they are squaring up on Hydro versus Toronto and versus Thieves now. And they just have to come to a realization that they're just not that good at those maps. Um, we've already said that Optic in general have struggled with discipline issues throughout you know the, the entirety of this game until recently where they started brushing up on that stuff. But even then, look at the maps that they're really good at. They're really good at Mercado. They're really good at Fortress. Those are two maps that are very quick and fast-paced. Mercado having probably a little bit more discipline. However, Hydro is one of those maps where you have to be very strict. You're, it's heavy on rotation. It, some people will say it tr plays traditionally like an older style map. And I feel like Optic still make too many mistakes to, to rely on that map and mode combo. They got to improve either, obviously, on that game mode if they want to continue to square up for these teams. Or they're going to have to start playing things like Embassy versus some of these teams because that's notoriously been one of their auto vetoes. When they run into a really good Hydro team, that's where they faltered both times so far. When they run into a team that's squaring up with them on Mercados or Fortresses, they've been able to take them out pretty relatively quickly. So um, as for Optic, just they just got to improve their map pool. They're they're really close. Thieves is just has a little bit more of a broader one. And I think that's what in, essentially is pulling them ahead in a long series. Pat, thoughts on the little mental blocks and stuff like that and uh, what direction Optic is yeah. going? I mean, I don't think it's a mental block, but I do agree with you, dude. I think, you know, I'm actually surprised, Chris, that Hydro got in. That would have, could they're allowed to veto one hard point, right? In a best of seven? They auto veto I mean, Embassy because the one of the saying on their team, they just didn't win it. But yeah, also, that's what I'm saying, though. They just got smoked on Hydro and they let it back in. Like, that's. They didn't get smoked. It was close. But they were. You know what I mean? They brought it back. Yeah. So. You know what I mean? I think that's Same probably, I, that's probably a bad thing that it was so close. If they would have got waxed on it the first time, probably don't play it. Maybe. I, I agree. I think they play bully ball on those two maps versus a lot of teams. It gives them a lot of confidence. But if I'm Optic, like, all I care about is getting better at Hydro and Embassy. Hardpoint. That's like, you can't have an auto veto at this level of play. You, honestly, you could never have had an auto veto in the history of COD and teams that did. Like, it rarely worked out for you. Um, and so I think, you know, they definitely need to make their map pool deeper. Um, but aside from that, I mean, I really don't think there's a middle block. I think... The the when we look at phase, like yeah, they don't have a, a great track record against Optic, but that series made no sense to me. Slasher was somehow by far and away the best player in that series against Optic this weekend and um and then the series right before, it was the opposite. So I, I, I just think their phase is super inconsistent, their respawns are super inconsistent. Phase played terrible at controlless events, so I wouldn't chalk it up to a, a middle. Um I just think at this level there's a lot more nuance to it, to Chris's point, with the, the vetoes and map depth. So um, I haven't seen enough to, to make a case for someone having a mental block. Yeah. Okay. Ran now, random question. Do, do, does, uh, do Thieves play Optic in this next qualifiers? Because, um, like, my thought is, like, if, I'm, th if I'm Thieves or, or any other team, like, would there be any... I. This might be a dumb question, but like, would there be any positive in them like purposely vetoing? Like, if you're Optic, do you want to keep playing Thieves on Hydro in these qualifier matches for the like reps? And schedule's play... not posted. Can't find it. Okay, and play these maps like as much as you can that you're not good at because obviously they're making champs. Like, it's not it's not a question. Yeah, they're so, qualified. Yeah. So it's like, do you want to play those maps regardless of the outcome? And then if you're Thieves 
and you know that optic wants to get these reps in like and they veto those maps so they don't get those reps in is that a thought process at all kind of a random question you're going inception on us james you're I going know, the game within the game within the game I know. this is gonna be some insane like 3d chess fucking <laughs> moves um i don't, see I don't think it's that, that deep <laughs> i don't think it's that deep either i think you just gotta get better at it in practice um i want to say sorry i'm eating a little candy but um i want to say that uh Bayes kind of did something similar going into this tournament they knew they were going to play surge pretty much round one i think it was like basically solidified and their last match of the qualifier was against Surge. And they played a lot of the maps that they basically played on land. I think they bet on playing some of those maps at the tournament. And they were like, okay, usually they have we have really tough series versus them. Let's see if we can throw some curveballs their way and see how it goes. Obviously, they got fried. But maybe they didn't really look at it in that perspective of like, oh, we got fried. Let's just not do it again. They were like, okay, we got beat. But let's figure out how. So, I mean, I think there's definitely a a way where teams can try to experiment with their map pool a little bit. But, I mean, I wouldn't read too much into it. Yeah. I don't think uh, teams are going to go buck wild with their choices <laughs> um, yeah. and risk basically starting in losers at a major. Because at the end of the day, they might be qualified, but they still want to do well at the major. If not, you know, win another or win another tournament if you're... Uh, yeah, still, still, still what, 500 grand on the line? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, a little more yeah, hot yeah. topic in uh, across Reddit and Twitter right now. Um the LA Thieves coach was sitting behind Optic during the phase match uh, and watching their four POVs, and people are losing their minds over it. Um, I'll take this one, James. <laughs> okay. Copium. Yeah, co super copium. Listen, I was I was there the whole weekend behind the stage. Every player on every team was sitting behind every team in that same spot the entire time. Like, that. It, it's just how it was. Like... If if any other coach, you could probably go back on the VOD and find multiple coaches, multiple players doing the exact same thing, watching teams that they were about to play. It's just how the setup was. It had nothing to do with Thieves, nothing to do with Shane, nothing to do with any other team. It's just how the CDL set it up. Um, they probably should have considered that, but at the end of the day, I don't think it really changed anything. Um, I think people are just on some serious copium and pissed and so that their team lost. Even so, could optics coach not or analyst coach JP sat behind Thieves, Thieves the whole time? Yeah, the whole time, dude. At any point, any team this was this weekend that was playing, any coach, player, substitute, general manager, owner, anybody could have sat behind every team that was playing. Uh, it's just because of how the setup was. Those are the only seats available to sit behind to watch the games like up close. So, it actually looked really um, nice, Pat, to like be able to watch that real POV from up close. Like there's nothing better than that. You know yeah, I mean, mean? I, I'll give a shout out. I mean, it was a pretty, pretty cool little setup. I know this was supposed to be in New York originally at like a true major with fans, but I mean, for a makeshift event at the Belong Arenas, like it was, it was set up pretty nice. Um, you know, we had all the podcasts set up. There was a little bleacher area set up um, and the venue itself was, was really cool and accommodative. So accommodative, um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I just think people on Reddit and Twitter just cling to anything that can be used as an excuse. But in my opinion, it absolutely played no impact. It was just uh, a funny coincidence. Not only that. Shane just wanted to you, watch some damn games. You really think that that them sitting right behind them is going to have more impact than that, than all the fucking hours of prep work they did coming into the tournament? Bro. No. That's why they won. Let's be honest. Let's be clear. That is why Thieves hard countered Optic this event too, 
they did their homework. Like, I think, Chris, we were talking about it, that Fortress S&D, like, Thieves played completely different in the online stage, and then basically straight-up hard-countered how Optic played Fortress S&D. Um, I, I think just in general, Thieves were a more... or They were just what, better prepared than Optic, straight up. They they basically knew their game plan start to finish, did their homework, watched... watched obviously, it was clear, a ton of VOD. Um, so, yeah, Shane sitting behind Optic playing for an hour changed absolutely nothing. There wouldn't even be enough time to, like come up with a new strat that he just no, he most just of the time like, you just sit there and like you see the povs and you're just probably watching them take a gunfight and die like, yeah he was on his phone half the time like just chilling so people are on some it's not that deep copium. definitely not, it's not that, that deep. deep it's just it's just copium now on uh, doug we whenever we have you here i feel like we have to talk about boston breach a little bit obviously your org what's what's going on with boston and and what do you think uh needs to needs to change here in these next couple weeks um with toronto and champs approaching that's not enough in, Doug. not i appreciate it chris not enough obj way too much slaying um that's really the story of boston i mean it, it shows you know the, the stats are great to show and reflect to see how a team's performing in terms of a lot of different ways and i think a lot of people just look at stats in terms of green is good and red is bad but um that's not always the case and i think with boston it's always green but the the result is an l recently so i think they just need to be able to play through the hard points more you know just play around them more because they have a lot of talent and a lot of gun skill and a lot of awareness on where pressure is coming from winning gunfights great mechanics right so just utilize them around the objectives and and play through them and manipulate players that way because clearly right now there it seems like there's like a kink that's off with everything that's moving so and also, um, yeah, I think if they just continue to do that, because Kyle just went in about, what, three weeks ago? Because he obviously was just on our team, so we just replaced him. I, I think we've had like a week and a half or so, that new force. So Kyle has just been with him for about three weeks. So I think combination of just having a lack of practice and figuring out who's going to be a little bit more of the selfless players on the team is the, the result. And obviously, on top of it, too, not to make excuses, they did play two of the best teams in the game. So, uh, But you do have to beat the best to be the best. And that's really where I'd leave it. <clears throat> I'm right there with you, Doug. Um, I think the Boston camp just needs to play way more discipline. I don't think they have enough on that team. I don't think they have leadership. I think a lot of the time they kind of have the right idea of what to do, but they don't really have somebody that's kind of gluing them together and making them all, all useful and contributing to each other's success. Um, Basically, it's like the same problem that some of these other teams face, like Optic faced at one point. FaZe, I think, still faces it, maybe to a lesser degree than you guys. But um, still, I think a lot of people just need to understand the way, especially Hardpoint, because that's, I think, the game mode that they struggle in um, works. Whenever you're rotating and you're holding a setup, essentially the, the first wave is where teams have options because they're coming off of Old Hill, and they can choose to break you however they want. So you need to be able to put yourselves in positions or put your, your team in positions where you can help each other, read the pressure, react to the pressure, and work as a team. If people are going rogue and pushing out, they're a lot more prone to being worked. Basically, teams are going to wait, players are going to wait for each other, and they're going to clear angles together. They're going to isolate players. Whenever you get that first wave... That's when teams are not only staggered, because most of the time, kills don't all come at once. They come in waves. So players are staggered, trying to re-break, and you know where they're going to spawn, so you know where you're going to funnel them. 
that is when you push out. That's when you go rogue. That's because you know the timings of where when players spawn and they're going to be pushing. That's because you know where they're going to be coming from. And that's because you have the space. That is the issue with a lot of Call of Duty players and a lot of these teams that basically lack discipline, like the Boston Breach. Period. Pat, you got anything for the Breach? Listen, Doug, mute out, bro, because I think the Breach need to bring in Doug. Um, I, I've said it a few times. I, I just think this team is lacking life. Like, I think they have all the talent in the world. Um, but but they're not, they don't feel like a team to me. Um, they feel like just four really talented players. They feel like an eights super squad. Um, and I just don't think their teamwork is, is anywhere near as good as some of the other teams. And, you know, I was telling Chris sometimes this weekend, like, they would they would win rounds or win maps, and I don't, I don't feel the hype. Like, I, I, you know, other teams get up, chirp. I see the life in them. This team was kind of just like, it felt like they were going through the motions. Um, so my, my reasoning behind, <clears throat> you know, needing to bring in someone like Doug, I mean, given, you know, it's either they go and make a, a, a blockbuster change, uh, which I don't think they could, they could make happen this late in the season, um, or they or they bring in someone they already have. I think you know Doug has experience playing with with obviously Crimp and um, and Bean briefly. Uh, I, I I just feel like you know after such a disappointing run here, if they bring in Doug for the major or for the online stage, just test it out. This breach team is pretty safe for champs. You know, there I don't think there's a big difference between six, seven, or eight seed. Um, and I don't think that they would really lose that seed regardless. So. Uh, yeah, I would like to see them bring in Doug for a series or two, see if it changes up the dynamic of the team, see how their 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 game plays otherwise. Um, so that, I don't think the four they have right now is the right recipe. I don't think it's a talent issue. I don't think it's anyone on the team's fault. Um, I don't even mind the crimp change. Um, you know, I, I, I think Vivid's extremely talented, but crimp came in and did his thing uh, basically the entire time. He's been frying. So um, I just think, yeah, I, I would like to see Boston just test the water a little bit um, and try out a, a new lineup. Doug, I don't think, um, I, I think it would be a disjustice to not ask you your thoughts on that. I mean, my thoughts on that are pretty simple. I'm really just focused on being the best player I could be every day on Boston Academy. There's nothing more, nothing less I can say about that. I just love playing every day and doing what I do and getting better and, you know, switching to an AR mid season was a lot, but feeling really great on it, loving my team every day and just looking to improve. Spent about two hours with the team watching some VOD and going to have a great day of practice tomorrow. Then we got the elite qualifiers to watch this weekend to see who we're playing. So for me, I just really focus on what I could control. Um, but for Boston, I think they're going to figure it out one way or another because there's a lot of talent throughout Boston. We have a lot of talent top to bottom, and I know they're going to figure it out. And um, it's it's really an easy issue to fix. Just play through the hill. It's It's really easy. So... I'm sure they'll figure it out one way or another. And um, um, I do appreciate it, Pat. But for me, it's like I, I really just don't care when I get a call up or where or with who. But uh, I just really focus on the day to day because I, I just love playing. And I think we're on the cusp of winning. So I'm just having a great time. Um, with that being said, last thing about Boston, where does that leave Vivid? Because a lot of people were not happy with the change. Um, <laughs> I think Kremp is a great player. But I don't know if... Um, he's necessarily bringing the intangibles that Reese brought because I think Reese is a very vocal player. 
um, and he does a lot of dirty work, while Kremp is more so focused on kind of slaying. Do you think they go back on that change, or do you think? Uh, well, they, real quick, or or is there I, something else that you know Reese could could do or benefit? Or I guess like I have a question, Doug. Else? Was is Kremp? A, uh, was he? A, isn't he more of a flex? Was he always a hard sub? I thought he was like a flex player. I could be wrong. Kyle can run an AR, but he's been running a hard sub this entire year. He's like the I'll third be honest, AR player. If if Doug's not getting on the if if we're not talking sub and Doug in, I would like to see Reese come back and move Crimp to a flex role for Beans, and then let Awake run the main AR. I don't know how you guys would feel about that. I'd, I'd like look, my my whole thing with this Boston thing is I want to see him try something. Just like you have a bunch of talented players in your organization. Just try, like swap around and try things. You, you're basically set for champs, right? You've done enough to be qualified for champs. I want to see them try and make the best roster that they that they can for this team. Don't maybe be do some, maybe do some trials like here. Yeah, scrims, week. whatever. Like try it out. If the scrims go well, try out in a series. Like I don't think it's that big of a deal to swap week to week. Even like you're basically in a position where you have a bunch of talented guys. You're good for champs. You should put the best roster together that's possible. Like, what, what do you have to lose from that? Might yeah, be we'll on it. Now, now on, to, on to some other teams. Um, while we did kind of get an expected grand final, uh, there was some unexpected um, matchups, like the Minnesota Rocker beating Seattle Surge. Um, I think we kind of have to just at least chat about what happened and and i think there was a lot of high expectations for seattle going into this event and whoa whoa what there he goes here goes Pat. james james right i've been telling you. you for two years now okay i mean the seattle search <laughs> you want to what These it guys is though? are a roller coaster <laughs> you want what it is though i talked about it on the show the issue with these top teams <clears throat> Or these teams are on the cost on the cusp of being good. Sure, they might look good versus the good teams. And you wanna why? Because those teams have similar map pools. And then they go and they play some underdog team. And what happens? They have fucking auto vetoes. Regardless if another team is good at the map or mode, they won't play it, even if they're bad. Like let's say a team is terrible at a map, they will still veto that shit just because they don't want to play it. And that gets them in trouble. Because then they're forced to square up with teams on their lifeline maps. Guess what they played against the Minnesota Rocker? They played a CeeLo Control. They were up 2-0 in the series, and they played a CeeLo Control. I'm pretty sure, if I could remember that correctly. Yes, Why? that's correct. And it's because they don't play Expo. It's a new map, and I guarantee they don't even try to play it. They probably auto-veto it. They auto-veto Mercado on both game modes. So basically, if they play a team that is any good at any maps that they don't veto, even if they're not the best team, they have lifelines in series. They can't out they don't out metagame the other teams. They just go in and like, we're gonna play bully ball. And it might work most of the time, sure. They have the talent to do it. But didn't work here. And that is the issue with once again auto vetoes. And that is why they lost the rocker. Sure, they choked. There was other, you know, there's other semantics to the whole thing. It's not just as simple as that. I mean, we saw some really bad choke um, that I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. Um, but yeah, they just talk about Vegas. Bro. No, surge to rocker. Surge is uh, rocker. Yeah. 
Surge against Rocker. That Mac, the Mac Pred 2v2. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. I was mind blown. But regardless, you cannot give lifelines to these teams you are better than. You just can't. You gotta stop having auto vetoes. Yeah, it might have worked back in fucking World War II. It didn't work in World War II. It didn't work. The reason we beat TK, the reason we beat TK at COD Champs was because they auto vetoed London Harp or CTF. Like, and they auto vetoed, um, God, what was the other S&D map? They had two. Anyway, our team out vetoed them. Simple. It, like, you can't have yeah. auto vetoes because all we did was we vetoed their best hard point. They basically, their auto veto was our worst map. So they did us a favor by, oh, it was uh, Valk Hardpoint. Their auto veto was Valk Hardpoint and London CTF. And we were horrible at Valk Hardpoint. <laughs> they, they gave us, the, they vetoed our worst map. Think about that. They vetoed our that's worst map. Like, and that's what happens when you, when you, when you beat all the vetoes into consideration for some of these teams. Yeah. It's just going to be another team's worst map. So you're just helping the team out. But that's that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, I don't know if these guys just care. And it's like, this team in specific, I know for a fact, will always veto the same shit, regardless of what the other team is good at. Like, they could play a team that is complete dog shit at one of their auto vetoes. Complete dog shit. They will veto it. That is how bad their auto veto situation Bro, that's, is. That's just been Lamar, dude. That's that's the Lamar camp strategy. It's always been a Lamar thing. Like, do you remember back in World War II when you guys would scrim TK? They would they would want to play London CTF, the last map in scrims, and they would leave. leave it. They'd leave. They wouldn't even play it. It's like every single time. Yeah, every single you're time. You're drunk. You're like you're drunk. I'm trying to tell you guys, you're literally drunk. Um, I pan out at some point, but. It screws you, know, you over. You get into the season, it will screw you over, or it might not screw you over any time. But sometimes it's going to bite you in the ass. And I think this is one of those cases. Obviously, they choked. Um, and they got Pred dropping one point fours. You got Pred on your team, and you got auto vetoes. Pred is on your team, and you have an auto veto. Pred is a fucking veto. That guy's gross. Pred is a veto. <laughs> Play every map. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I think that's part <laughs> of like the. I guess I don't know about disconnect, but I feel like as a uh, like from a casual um, like when people are watching the CDL casually, I don't think they really ever like think about the vetoes that much. Um, and it's something yeah. that kind of just gets overlooked. But I also think that, like you said, like I think it's becoming more and more obvious uh, as the year goes on, like how important that's like kind of turning into. And I think more and more people are talking about um, the veto process, even even on the CDL stream with the casters and stuff. Um, but it is interesting to see like how much weight is, is going into that because I do think it's something that's not talked about that much, or at least like casual watchers don't, um, like put much thought into, they just see a series and think the maps were either random or they assume the, the pros are good at all the maps. And some of them, they just prefer uh, map pool, map, map pool. And even the veto like process is so important because for example, in the optic series against thieves, they picked team B in the first series. And I think that was a grave mistake. Um, they were overconfident on their hydro. Cause I was talking to them um, before the match and I was basically weighing the options with them. I was like thinking about, I was like basically almost not, not helping them, but like I was talking with them about vetoes. And I basically said, if you pick team B, they're going to play you on a hydro um, because it's one of your gimmicky maps. It's not a map that you guys are particularly strong in, but it is a map that you will play. And I know they're good at it. So you're going to play hydro. So if you pick team B, you're giving them a chance first map. 
while if you pick Team A, you are guaranteeing one of your best maps first of the series, which will not only, obviously, if you win it, great, but you just gain confidence and you put them down. Giving them a map, their map choice first, especially in a team that rivals you in hardpoint, um, in, in hardpoint prowess, a team that's good, is just not a good idea. It, like veto process, map pool, all that stuff is super important because it can dictate the flow of a whole series. It can dictate whether you start out hot. It can dictate whether, obviously, you're playing certain maps that you might not be comfortable with or a team is particularly good in. Um, auto vetoes are terrible. In short, um, if you have one, you're gonna be at the you're gonna be at the whim of the teams you play and matchups that you play. And unfortunately, if you play certain matchups, like here, for example, with Surge and Rocker, you're giving teams lifelines. It's not good. It's not a good idea. It's not. A, it's not a good strategy to win. Period. Yeah. I'll well start, said, Chris. <laughs> I'll start with Doug on this one. Um, as for New York subliners, Doug, yeah. do you do you think that with the current roster that NYSL has, that they can win the Toronto Major and or champs? Absolutely, they could. I mean, they lost a game five to Atlanta phase. So their S&D obviously could get touched up a little bit. Their respawn is on par with a lot of these teams. Um, I know Optic pretty much handled them in uh, the winner's bracket, but we've seen how this game has went and the teams and the way teams have progressed and digressed and improved and gotten worse than gotten better. Obviously, New York started great, ended slow, but because they're building back up, they're losing in the championship Sunday final four, losing on a game five search for Atlanta phase phase. One of the best search teams in the game. Um, you still have some time to improve, adapt, figure out what maps you like. This new control map added in obviously does change up a series a lot, especially in a best of seven. If New York could get there. So um, yeah, I think they just got to stay the flow, stay the course, and they'll definitely have an opportunity to win not only major five, but the world championship too. I want to agree with you because I like the people on there, but no, um, this is a team. I've said it before. This team gets away with their placings and how well they're playing for the most part because they are just a good team. They have good teamwork. Um, I don't think that, like, if you put New York at their best versus Thieves at their best or FaZe at their best or Optic at their best, they don't have the talent to compete with that team. They have good players on their team, but that's not even, like, a bad thing. Like, I think all of these people, obviously they've shown it, can win. All these people on certain teams might provide you know, good puzzle pieces. But I think at their current level, their talent is capped. And sure, they might be able to win surely off, you know, based off teamwork. But I don't have faith in every single one of those people on that team being able to consistently keep up with the best players in the world right now. I think, obviously, they stick it out. They try to get the best placings they can. Hell, maybe they win. Who knows? Um but I think this team is going to get ripped apart or people are going to want to pair up with certain players on this team at the end of the season, because obviously I think New York did a good job with, you know, the whole project of getting, you know, getting players from other teams that were obviously looked upon as like outcasts outside of like Hydra and putting them on a roster together and making a great system with a great coaching staff and uh, players that are eager to, you know, eager to learn, eager to win, and work together as a team. But talent-wise, these guys don't have the same caliber players as Thieves, Optic, and you know the like. In my opinion, oh, it, it's short and sweet for me. New York's the fifth best team. Do I think they're at their cap? 
uh, James? Yes. I think they are capped at the fifth best team. Do I think they have upset potential to upset one of the top four teams? Absolutely. Uh, definitely possible. No team is perfect. I think, you know, they could catch one of those top four teams on a bad day and definitely win. Uh, but, but to Chris's point, if all teams in the league are at their best, then New York subliners are the fifth best team. And I think that's just the reality of the situation. So for me, they have to catch a good bracket, catch a upset or two. They caught um, a good bracket. They got top four. Yeah. Uh, if they, I was saying it, if they, if, if, if they were had, if they had Toronto in their bottom half of the loser bracket, I think they get they top six. They could potentially get top six. Like they're just, yeah, they, they could rock rock rock. They're just Paris, better. Lead, New York, this event beat Las Vegas Legion and Minnesota Rockets. Florida and four. Florida, and Florida. They beat they yeah, beat sure. they beat three of basically the bottom four teams coming from. And the they got smoked over the bracket, Pat. And they got smoked by optic, huh? and then they won last match over the bracket. It, it says they Florida played, lost to Toronto. Didn't they play Vegas round one? They played they Vegas. Beat Vegas round one. They lost to Optic. I'm looking at the bracket right now. They lost, they to, lost Optic. to Optic. And then, then they, they beat Rocker three one. Oh yeah. So they, they that's all they played. Never mind. They I only beat they the, only beat the they only beat Vegas and they only beat Rocker for top four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. They're a good that's, they're a good team with Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. How can you get top four winning two series versus the worst teams? That's crazy. <laughs> because they crazy. beat Vegas round one for top six. They lost to Optic. Then top six to top four, they beat Rocker. It's, it's, I it's hate simple. this format. It's simple. It's because it's simple. It's the it's because uh Vegas did really well online, which basically stole a winner's bracket spot that obviously Toronto didn't place, you know, play particularly well, but it probably belonged to Toronto. Um, if we're being honest, in terms of like actual like team ratings. Um, so they would have played what Toronto first round instead of uh, Vegas and probably probably lost it there and then gone down to losers and played two rounds and yeah probably got like around five six. Nah, bro, that's crazy. Um, but but like that's you said, they definitely that's have human up, right they, now. They, they, definitely, like definitely, they definitely have upset potential. I mean, they literally almost beat um, they you know face. They went last map. And they got some insane clutches on them, but. Yeah, they they have upset potential, but I think for the most part, you're you're spot on, Pat. And so, with that being said, like, it, there's no, you don't think there's any room for like a roster change for for that camp to, that would make them any better than they currently are they at this they point. They don't of the have season. they don't have access to anyone that yeah. is going to be particular. They would need another blue chip player, as a you know Ben J. Nassim likes to call it on the flank, which they might have later in the off season. Obviously, there's probably going to be a big bidding war for players like Pared. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think they're going to win it, but like maybe there's points in time where some teams are content or some like players have internal issues, for example, and maybe they end up finding access to one um, that can elevate their team a little bit further. But that being said, I mean, what they've done with their camp is not to be is not to be shamed. They obviously they won a tournament and they've looked like a pretty damn contest. Like they've looked like a pretty good team. Obviously, they've, they've been like the fifth best team the entire year. So not nothing bad nothing bad to say about those guys just keeping it real i think yeah and before we get to like uh some more fun topics um speaking of the two teams that they beat we have a little bit of a showdown for the final spot in champs vegas and rocker um who, who's your guys's pick that takes the eight spot rocker i guess i'm rocker. like shrugging Vegas, I Vegas like I mean, if you guys haven't seen the the strength of schedule for Ve uh, Vegas in major five is absurd. They play the, basically the top five teams. Yeah, they I have the hardest they, schedule think, of any team by far. I think Rocker has another home series where they're going to play two teams. 
Hmm. Oh, yeah, so I think, the I think Rockers got this one locked up. Yeah, they yeah. played they one versus land. Boston and Boston oh, Surge. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think, I think I Rockers going to lock this up. Even if they didn't have that, bro, I think I would just say Rocker because I think the Vegas just disappointed me this weekend, man. You think this weekend was kind of just their last shot? Like the, the I, this well, was what happened to them this weekend. I don't understand they like got why and how they lost. Spot. They got their winners bracket spot and they just didn't show up. They lost round one three zero and then they lost in loser bracket three two dead last. Yeah. I don't no I don't, points. Dude, they didn't lose three zero. They, they choked. Like, they choked that game five two, didn't they? They were up they five got two. I think slammed by New York. Yep, five two. They got slammed by New York. Um, this was their weekend to pull away, and. They didn't take advantage of it. I think Rocker did though. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get this opportunity again. But who knows? You never know. At the think end about it. it. They're they're now twenty points behind Rocker. They were tied. They're twenty points behind. They have the hardest possible schedule in Major Five. Rocker's got a medium schedule, but they also have a home oh, series. Jeez. They don't. And then go to land. They play London. Like, they play London and Boston. Not oh, Surge in their. Yeah, they play yeah, London yeah. and Boston in their home series. James, lock it up. We got the top eight for champs. <laughs> Let's put it in the thumbnail. Uh, we don't even need major five at this point. Champs is secured. Now, now I do want to talk a little bit. Um, the, the the first part of this question might be be a short answer. The second one more is like just kind of anticipating what the future looks like. But as for the remainder of the season, do we see any roster changes happening right after this major's over? And with who? Um... I could see a world where maybe Seattle tries. Um, Vivid maybe is a potential option for some of teams. Obviously, if Boston isn't particularly happy with their current roster and might want to like go back on that, or if you know Surge is looking to try to upgrade, um, because obviously they've been up and down. I don't know if they need to upgrade or if they need to really hunker down and open up that map pool because the auto veto is just not working for them. It's not something they can consistently rely on against the good teams. They're just hoping for superstar performances um my 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 take would be florida london lag shocked no roster change coming like those teams are already out vegas shocked no improvement you can make <laughs> you don't have the funding to make a change if i'm new york boston surge or minnesota i'm absolutely looking at ways to to improve because like I said before, the top four is pretty much solidified the top four. Like if I if I went to a coma the next two months and woke up and you told me that those were the top four teams at major five and champs, I wouldn't be surprised. Um so I think I, I, I think, you know, if you're the if you're the five through eight right now, the those four teams, New York, Surge, Boston, or Rocco, you should be looking at a change. Well, no matter where it's at, whether it's challengers, whether it's picking someone from from the bottom four teams, whatever, you should be trying to change because otherwise you're not, in, in my opinion, you're not taking a, a, a stab at that top four. Agreed. Thoughts? I just feel like, uh, obviously for Boston, I mean, I'm on the academy roster, so it's a little bit more of a conflict of interest for me to talk about Boston, but... Um, I do agree with a lot of Pat's takes when it comes to this. The bottom four teams have no reason to make a change. So the top four teams have no reason to make a change because they're in contention to win. And then the middle four teams, I think New York is most definitely not making a change though, Pat. I don't think they're going to be bringing in Morty, uh, especially at this point in the season with how much time they play together because I do think the chemistry does matter going into these final stretches of this uh, year. So 
Um, I definitely think there's going to be more changes, though. I, I, I would be surprised if there's no more changes to end off this season because there is another split. Uh, we do have, you know, we did have changes last split. There's probably going to be more changes this split, too. And then we're probably going to have more changes going to the champs. So there'll probably be two more sets of changes, if I'm being honest. I think, no, I think they roster lock after Major 5, right? I think, like I think whatever team you go into Major 5 with is your champs team. Yeah, you're locked. Mm. Oh, so, so then there you go. This is your only chance. This is your only window to make a roster move if you're any of the teams in the league. Oh, yeah, the bottom four are out. Hmm. Now, what's weird to think about is, like, obviously, we don't know what the future uh, is looking like for um, Call of Duty and what the next year's um, kind of content, package, delivery, game, whatever it's going to be. Um, is it, like, been talked about whether... They're just like adding on to Modern Warfare 2 or like what what is the because my 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 thought process with all of this is like th this is a, a weird roster mania post champs if they are playing the same game because you pretty much know everybody and how they are on the on the game. Like you know who who plays well, you know everybody's tendencies, and you would think maybe they're gonna add like a big map package because the other thing is like we talk about uh vetoes and stuff well it's like a lot of that is just going to carry over um if there's not some like massive content overhaul thoughts absolutely on, no on one what knows. that looks like nobody knows anything absolutely I, no one knows i i think it's just going to be the same game with like basically it's I, my expectation is it'll be the exact same game with a massive dlc overhaul like a new maps maybe new modes maybe you know something new to Warzone, like I, that's my expectation i don't think it's going to be a new game um you know originally they announced this was going to be a two-year cycle so you're going to play the the modern warfare 2 the whole time and then just recently they said sledgehammer was going to be doing some uh, you know additive stuff for the game or a new version so i, I think it's going to be the same game with and it's just going to feel like modern warfare 2 2.0 that's my expectation new maps new modes stuff like that i don't i don't see you know, I don't, I don't see how in a development cycle they could have last minute made a brand new game. So that's what I'm yeah, expecting. To happen. I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to pass up making 60, 70 dollars, though, from every person <laughs> that's looking for the new Call of Duty experience. So I do expect them to charge a premium for whatever they do. But um, if if the rumors were true that they were potentially going to run this year again, I don't see the world where they have another game ready to to kind of launch. So they'll probably the be good news. The good news is, James, re regardless of what they do. X Define is free to play, and there's always a chance that you can hop on over and have a and have an absolute blast. Pat's been loving X Define, and the numbers have been doing great. But in terms of Call of Duty, I do agree, Pat. Just to cut off your X Defiant rant for a second, because I do want to support it. But I do agree, though. I think that there's just gonna be a new map overhaul. I don't think they're gonna launch a new game. I did hear at one point, no new game. Then I heard that they're just gonna do DLC. Then I heard they're gonna bring in a new game. And now I'm just hearing that there's nothing. I have no idea, no expectation. But I, I think MW2 has been great for the viewership. I think it's been great for the drama. I think the fans have been loving it. And I think this might be the best in terms of viewership and entertainment we've had, at least in the CDL era for Call of Duty, if I'm not mistaken. Right, guys? Uh, probably. It's kind of frustrating. But whatever they do, I, I think hope Twitch they bring in Red Dots. Yeah. I do too. I do think as well. I hope they bring in red dots and I hope they bring in dead silence because otherwise I might lose my mind if we get another year of no red dots at least. I know where you guys can find red dots on the mini map. <laughs> where, Pat? Where can we find them? Next to find Closed beta still live until Tuesday night. 
Now that's what date is actually? What date is Tuesday? Uh, the twenty fifth is when the the beta ends. Twenty fifth. Okay, thank you, Pat. <laughs> now, like, um, geez, that just torched my train of thought. Because uh, <laughs> you're thinking about how much fun you were having on X Five, James. I saw you streaming it. I saw you streaming it. You were was, having a blast. Yeah, I was playing. It's a good time. Um. Oh, okay. What I was gonna say was that like. Now they do say they do bring in like a map overhaul and we're talking about the success of the CDL this year and like the viewership and stuff like first of all in let like do you think that they would have to like why would pros I guess if they're good maps pros would be excited to play the new maps and add on to the game but if they're like, not great. if they're not why would they want like they would end up wanting to play just the same maps that they're already good at that we've been if watching happens, for the last year and so that's yeah that's where i'm going with this is like do people really want to see the vaznev and the scar for another year and and watch more fortress hardpoint embassy hardpoint embassy personally, search like personally i think that if new maps come in they should just add them all in and keep the veto process the same it makes it so you have to be good at way more maps and you can still kind of have like you know your veto. Maybe you don't want to play one of these maps like at, in a series, but they would need to. They would need to just add in new maps and keep the same ones. Now there's how would practice go though, Chris? How would you be practicing every day I, with I mean, all it these maps? Matter. You would just you. It doesn't matter. You would just play less scrims. You would just play all the maps, but you would play less scrims, or you would break up your scrims into blocks of Monday you play X amount of maps. Tuesdays you would play the other maps. Um, I don't care personally um how it would work i think that if we're looking at call of duty from a big picture standpoint we need more maps and more weapons granted they have to be good and they have to be balanced because i said it before ranked is great a lot of people love it a lot of people are interested in it but call of duty community is so used to switch ups and changes every single year that if we want to maintain this momentum and keep the year if we're going to have another year we need a lot of things to freshen up the vibe bro because ranked, for example, it's going to die out at some point. No one's going to want to play hydroelectric hardpoint, you know, for, in, a, in, a, in a couple months. Right? People are going to get bored. People are going to be looking for the next thing. So if you add a whole bunch of new maps at some point that are actually good, and you keep the current map pool in, then people are just going to have so much more variety. It's going to keep people playing. Period. It's crazy hearing you guys, what your guys' requests are. Like, now that I'm on the... The, the game developer side, like hearing what you guys want is wild. Because um, for me, it's like, I'm just thinking, you know, we got 14 maps coming to launch for, for X to find. More maps, is, more maps should be good. I, no, think, I, think, I agree I think with you. Whole, sorry, my bad, Pat. I just think this whole like era of only having X amount of maps in like competitive rotation is so archaic. I, like, I think it, the problem it, is, Chris, there is, is Call of Duty is launching with like only a limited amount of 6v6 maps. Like, those 10v10 ground war style maps do absolutely nothing for the competitive community. Like, yeah. they could say they have 10 maps, but if five of them are, are 10v10, whatever, it doesn't help at all. And that's that's another fear to consider, right? Like, let's say in this Modern Warfare 2 2.0 release this year, you know, they have a new version of, uh, I forgot what they call it in, in Modern Warfare 2 right now, but that basically that big ground war mode, and it's like there's three new big ground war maps. And it's like if that took a lot of development resources to create those big maps, it's going to do absolutely nothing for the competitive community. So that's kind of where my expectation is kind of low. It's like 
we need a very specific type of map um, to be not only uh, the right sizing for for you know competitive play, but also to your point, like if we have what we've had in the past where we've had DLC maps that pros just know don't work competitively, it's going to be it's really going to impact you know how these pro players feel about the the Monocar 2 2.0 package. Yeah. I mean, but personally like like I was saying, like Doug brought up a good point. He's like, "What about practice sessions?" Bro, I don't give a fuck what people's practice sessions look like. Variety is literally so important. People don't want to see the same maps every fucking series. People want to see a variety of choices. Having more choices, as long as the maps are good, having more choices is never a bad thing. Sure, it might complicate practice a little bit, but like, who cares? Work with it. At least you'll have a lot of fun variety to play. It will not only make the game enjoyable for you guys, but it will make the enjoy the game way more enjoyable to play. It will make, make it way more enjoyable to watch. The issue before is the reason why map sets are so limited is because they were trying to you know have this like veto format but fuck the veto format just have the normal just have the vetoes be the same just have more choices it makes it so like having a auto veto is even worse because there's so many choices but also it makes it so you have to be good at far more things and it I just makes it more fun for a fan perspective like watching yeah expo control is definitely the most fun control to watch by far i mean when i watch a silo i think a silo is the most boring map i've ever played and seen in my life I, I cannot stand when I see a CeeLo in every rotation, every map set, control S&D. So like, many rotations now. Bro. So it's like boring. The, Why do like people the most play played it? Map. It's like the most played map now. It used to, Hotel used to be the most played hard point. Then, obviously, people were like, wow, everyone's good at Hotel. Let's get good at CeeLo. Let's start playing a CeeLo against these good teams. Now, CeeLo's the most fucking played map. Like, just, we need to have variety in Call of Duty, and I don't care what people's practice, you know, sessions look like. Um, the whole just having five hard points and having three controls and having this is so fucking dumb. Just keep the vetoes the same. Make it so each team vetoes one. And then you pick from X pool. As long as they're good, that's all that matters. Yeah. Doug, anything else on top of that or kind of hit the, the nail on the head? No, I just, I mean, this season's maps that were brought in, I forgot the name of them, like Palaya's Lighthouse and this other like night vision map. The, the worst maps I've ever seen. I mean, they're worse than Stonehaven. Worse than Stonehaven. I mean, the, what, are, what are we playing? But Expo, fantastic map. Very happy to play that every day in scrims. Love playing it. So love having a baby too as well. I mean, yeah, if they could just add red dots, which they won't. Make that silence ninja a perk, which they won't. This game would be amazing. I, I mean, I really do have fun playing it every day. So If they would do things that they're never going to do, everything would be great. It would be. It absolutely would. If they would just have. do things that they didn't do, like they would do it and then it would be fun. Great quotes, guys. Great quotes. <laughs> um, all right, I, I we'll, we'll kick off. We'll kick off. We got a couple more segments left. Um, Doug, you're kind of uh, we we on our in between episodes for qualifiers. We'll do like um, brackets and tier lists and stuff. So and unfortunately, you, you get you have to miss out on that. But I do want to ask you, kind of in, in terms of a ranking, um, who are your top three players in the game right now going into this last stretch? Well, I really still want to keep Scrap up there, even though they just got top six and didn't do well in the online split. I really like Scrap and what he's obviously been able to bring to a team. Um, I really like the AR Octane on on Thieves as well. And I, I like Puke on Optic. So 
I don't know. I think it's really just a toss up between all these players and these top four teams, though. But these are just like some of the X Factor players I see. Like, I really love Octane for his comms and the way he's just directing everyone in his team. Like, the, the guess that Dan Ghosty's getting is exactly what I'm seeing from Sam Octane, um, at least in all the listenings and the individual performances. I'm also seeing Dan improve, too, which is great um, because I know he could actually go out and slay and drop 1.3s every series. So, that's great for Optic to have in their back pocket in case they need to change anything. So, I don't know, but right now I'd say probably go uh, puke, scrap, and octane would be my top three. Um, my top three would be um, so here's the thing that I just want to clarify: just because they are a top three player doesn't mean they're necessarily on the best team. Um, case in point, Optic didn't have anyone in the top ten KDs overall this weekend. They still play second because KDs and maybe individual talent doesn't always matter, and it doesn't always carry you to a high placing. So I just wanted to, you know, start with that. Uh, I'm going to say Octane, probably one of the best, if not the best ARs currently. I'm going to say Pred, because that guy is basically the ultimate super hard carry. Um, <laughs> and I will probably say Abizi, because I think without him on phase, or even for like, even like dating back to the original origins of phase and United, without that kid on their team, they would not have had have found the success that they have. I don't think people realize how big of an impact that guy plays. Sure, he might make, make mistakes, but his S&D this year is literally the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I think this guy's at over 100-plus first bloods this year, and I think the gap between him and, like, second is, like, 40 or something, like, or more. Like, I think this guy is single-handedly makes the game infinitely easier on his teammates most of the time. And I think his uh, impact on the team is is bar none. So I think that's my top three. Um, I think my top three would also be what Chris's is. Um, it's just unfortunate. I, I actually agree with that top three. But um, to keep things in interesting, I would throw my honorable mentions to be um, Kenny, Celium, and... Crappy. Valid. Sounds good. And then one final question. I feel like you guys probably don't. Uh, most of the audience that watches the reverse sweep in a lot of these shows um, has probably been watching COD for a decent amount of time, probably plays the game. Um, but we do, we do, believe it or not, get new people who are like just getting into the Call of Duty space. And so in a very broad fashion, what would you guys say is like the best way if somebody's just getting into watching competitive Call of Duty, just getting into ranked play, like what would you say is the best way to like, I guess, get in, get more involved and get into, into the competitive Call of Duty space if it's something that's super new to them and maybe they're interested in the past games, whatever the case is, like what, any, any tidbits of, of advice of people that, that, maybe just started watching two easy um, pieces. I mean, watch the game and play the game, go on Twitch, watch players, play it, go on ranked and play the game. Go to YouTube the call of duty, YouTube or the call of duty, Twitch, and literally watch the VODs of the tournaments. Or if you want to do your history, um, just look up like call of duty championship 20, all the way dating back till 2013. Just look up call of duty championship 2013 and you'll find tons tons of videos of world championship 
uh, matches um, dating back till, you know, 2013, um, where you see basically the best of the best teams play at usually the peak of competitive. Um, but yeah, watching is the is the best thing you could do, especially if you're trying to look for ways to get better. Obviously, playing helps, but watching matches, looking at the mini map, um, listening to the casters, because obviously the casters most of the time are telling a story, right? It'll help you kind of understand what you're looking at rather than just blindly watching. My advice would be a few things. Number one, watch the reverse sweep every Monday. Um, make sure you're subscribed to the channel, got notifications on. Number two would be follow uh, COD Competitive Reddit. I know there's a ton of information always posted there. Um, follow all of the players who are involved on Twitter, players, personalities, all that. You can check through people's following and find that. Twitter's been the main hub of Call of Duty Esports for a very, very long time. I don't see that ever changing. Uh, I don't know what number I'm on, but next would be to deep dive, definitely deep dive Call of Duty Competitive on YouTube. Uh, the old MLG channel, I think, still has a lot up. The Call of Duty channel still has a lot up. And then finally, if you're really interested in history, um, I think it's a COD... It's Esports COD Pedia. Gamepedia. Yeah, one of the Gamepedia, Gamepedia, COD Gamepedia. Um, you could basically check every personality or player that you want to ever see and see what their history was in Call of Duty. You can see all the past events for like the last 10 or 12 years. They're a great source of information that's really accurate information um, for placings, prize money won, tournaments, how many tournaments each year, teams, all that. Roster moves will show players like history and all that stuff. Um so I think just type in like a player's name and then COD Gamepedia and it should pop up. So those would be my advice. But numero uno is absolutely make sure you're subscribed to Dexerto's Reverse Sweep, which airs every Monday when there's a Call of Duty tournament the previous weekend or an online match. And stay up to date with, with the squad and all the information and entertaining show we're bringing you. Beautiful. That would be an incredible outro if I didn't lie out of my ass and say that I have one more question. Um, <laughs> but, but, but no, I just I just thought of it when when you guys were talking about like going down a rabbit hole. What is and if you guys can pick one moment, what's your favorite Call of Duty moment of all time that you're not a part of? I'm not a fan of anyone. <laughs> I have none. Just clip, I have literally we'll none. clip that. I have <laughs> literally none. I went apathy won BO3 champs. I mean, obviously, like, yeah, I guess with seeing my friends win, but like. No tippable plays. Chris isn't tipping his hat to anything. Oh, oh no, I know what mine would be. Mine would, mine would be that um Envy versus E United comeback in IW. They yeah. were down 10 0 in like the last two minutes and they came back in like an absurd <laughs> way. That was pretty dope. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm just, it's, I've always just been one of those people that like when I was like playing and competing, like, yeah, yeah there was some is, cool shit that happened, but question. I never was like, I was never like, wow, I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking with that much emotion, but I was, I was more thinking a lot. I don't know, I don't have anything. Like, I was thinking like, okay, maybe there's something where you're like, oh yeah, I think I know that, what was you meant. You probably, that was typical. That was typical. You probably were asking something like, oh, yeah, go check this out, you know, for the newbies. But yeah, yeah, Chris, we're, we're going to clip only the segment of me asking the question. And Chris says, I tip my hat to nobody. And then it's just la, da, 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 da. It's the motherfucking D-O-double-G. Oh, it's going to be with like the, the oh, the, yeah. The little, oh, like, yeah. Little blunt in the chain. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in. 
it was a pleasure um we will be back is there how many weeks off is there is there a, a time just period? one just yeah, one, one week off, off and then we're back so we won't be here next monday but we will be back the following monday uh all throughout the qualifiers and champs uh like we've nailed home make sure you guys are subscribed like all that good stuff um and congrats to la thieves for taking out major four anything from you guys thank you all for watching appreciate y'all yeah appreciate all of you guys love being home doing these too um sorry to cut you off pat love being home doing these did these on the road with pat and chris for the last few but obviously challengers didn't have a tournament would have loved to have a land tournament this weekend on challengers but we're looking forward to toronto and and seeing you guys in the next one there wasn't enough room, unfortunately, Doug. I couldn't imagine there being challenger teams in the venue that we were at this I weekend. Could, I can imagine. But, yeah, I mean, everything they said. And then also tweet Boston Breach and tell them that I said I want to see Doug starting on the Boston Breach starting lineup in the Major 5 online qualifier. We'll see you Do next time. Do we win champs, Pat? Do we win champs around the Boston starting lineup? Get the world Absolutely champion. Absolutely not. See you guys and later. I, <laughs> and I will sign a 10-day coach contract to be there with you, Doug. Wow, that would be legendary. We're talking fairy tales out here, Pat. <laughs> All righty, deuces, deuces.